Hey everybody, this is Andy, aka Love Retro BTW, across Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I do a podcast every Saturday called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast, a retrospective look at the wonderful world of retro gaming, from interviews to guests. Join us every Saturday, like a Saturday morning cartoon, starting at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on Twitter, Please join the brand new retro gaming community, a place to share, connect, and show your love for the retro gaming community. All the links are down below. And remember, enjoy the Gamers Week podcast. This time on Gamers Week podcast. From GameSpot, Xbox Oh God, I had problems with this the last time I had a reason. <laughs> they sure love this. It'll start a drinking game of it every time somebody says Xbox boss. Uh, from GameSpot, Xbox boss Phil Spencer <laughs> believes there will be fewer <laughs> exclusives in the future. All right, was that your drinking noise? <laughs> that was my drinking noise. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> So if you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be? Not pralines. Pralines. <laughs> <laughs> if Richard were an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines. It's okay. <laughs> I landed on my keys. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Such an underrated line in that movie. <laughs> Just say thank you. <laughs> Anything else? Any other quotes you want to go off about? I mean, how much time have we got? <laughs> <laughs> we got all night, baby. Ooh. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned for second. Sega. Sega. Hartford the whale beats Vancouver once, maybe twice, twice in, a lifetime. in a lifetime. Are we done? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Welcome to Gamers Week Podcast. Like the name says, we analyze the best, worst, and weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry. This is episode 36, and today is Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. My name is Blue Williams, and I'll be your host this evening. But I have with me my two co-hosts. My first co-host is the unofficial tourism guide for the Finger Lakes region. <laughs> 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 and my second co-host says to hit him up on his beeper if you're looking for a good time. <laughs> Everyone say hello to Ryan Payne, a.k.a. Retro Game Brews, and the one and only Donnie G. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining my tour of the Finger Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to hit me up on the beeper. I always keep it on vibrate. Okay. <laughs> 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 what was the what was the booty call uh, code? Was like you know six nine six nine or one four three? I'm not really sure. 
Well, that's disappointing that you weren't using your beeper <laughs> to the fullest, Donnie. Uh, it's been a long time, man. Give me some slack. All right, let's get the show started with our reviews, reactions, and requests. Reliving Retro says the best sequel to come out for a different console is Super Mario World. The jokester Mr. J says, I'm ready for some resident cheeseburger helper with a side of armpit farts for entertainment. You can't go wrong with dinner and a show. (laughs) I don't know why they call it cheeseburger helper. It does just fine by itself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Cousin Eddie. (laughs) <laughs> and Frank is Baldwin says great episode just a couple of points if you never play switch portable get the Hori split pad and look into getting the OLED these two things made the switch very pleasant to play on summer evenings outside for the Final Fantasy talk I enjoy the current battle system I think he's talking about 15 and the road trip story to adulthood was really fun it reminded me of my 20s I understand the hate I didn't like the junction system in 8 and quit early 10-ish hours into 10 through 13. On his uh, comment about the junction system in eight, I'm going to do one of these. (laughs) Slow clap, slow clap. (laughs) I would think playing your Switch outside or any portable handheld outside with a bright, vibrant screen would attract all of the insects. (laughs) That adds to the ambiance, right? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it's not summer if you're not getting eaten alive. Boss battles and mosquitoes and moths. And now it's time for the very important. (laughs) (laughs) Every Monday on Twitter, we post our VIP, very important poll. If you'd like to participate, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC. So the question this week was, in honor of the 35th anniversary of the release of Legend of Zelda on the NES this past Monday, who is your favorite character from the Zelda universe that isn't Link or Zelda? Coming in in third place is Groose at 9.5%. I am Groose. Tingle coming in second place with 18.9%. That's very interesting. And winning this week's poll is Midna at 37.8%. Now, some of you chose other at 33.83%. And let's take a look at some of those comments from the poll. At Frappe Mocha says, My fave Zelda character is the Red King of Lions, a.k.a. Daphnis Nohansen. He helped Link sail the vast ocean. And when that ocean theme kicks in, you know you are in for a grand adventure. At Simon Ritchie 77 says, Man living under the bridge in A Link to the Past. He has no name. <laughs> At DX2 underscore 66 underscore X says Sprite from the animated TV show. Excuse me, princess. At Handsome Rick says Kiki the monkey. And at the Mad Milkman says no error option for shame. <laughs> shame. I liked that. I think 90% of that comments we got were all like troll answers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no Navi, come on. Right. right. <laughs> hey, listen. Uh, Ryan, what was your choice this week for the poll? Uh, so I I will fully admit that I haven't gotten into a lot of Zelda games. So uh, you can at me at Retro Game Brews and <laughs> tell me what a horrible <laughs> human being I am. You're not a gamer. But I will say that I think it's one of the coolest Easter eggs that's in a game 
I'm going to go with the cuckoo or cuckoo birds. Uh-huh. And the simple fact that you can attack them and eventually <laughs> they will gang up on you and murder Link from A Link to the Past. Oh, uh, wow. I think that is so fun. <laughs> and <laughs> it's something to do with. Like if you're bored, you know, or you've you've played through all of Link to the Past and you're looking for something fun to do, that's what you could do is try to try to get murdered by chickens. If you're bored, just try to get murdered by chickens. That's right. awesome. That I mean, that's that's entertainment in a, in a bottle. Right there. <laughs> uh, Blue, what was your choice this week? Well, this is embarrassing because Uh-oh. I picked the cuckoos as well. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Though I wouldn't call them an Easter egg at all. I would call them a a, a running joke in this series because it's not just Fair. a link to the past. They're in right. many Zelda games where you go and beat up on the chickens and and regret the day you were born. And in fact, <laughs> it even carried over to Assassin's Creed Odyssey because there is a village you can wander into and if you happen to kick the chicken or whatever, it will go after you. And then you see the level on the chicken and it's a ridiculously high level. Like this chicken will end your what? existence <laughs> just kind of randomly out of nowhere. But it was hilarious as I'm running from my life from this chicken, because I was like, oh, this is great. I know why they're doing this. It's a throwback to Zelda. Uh, this big bad assassin gets taken. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing sounded like a fever dream. <laughs> So what about you, Donnie? I, I'm going to be in the same boat as Ryan. I, I don't really know the the Zelda universe as well as I should. But just based on look and aesthetics alone, I chose Dark Link. He's not technically Link. He's Dark Link. Cheating! <laughs> <laughs> Boo! Just got to bring out the edgelord side. Right. <laughs> well, actually, Dark Link is not actually Link. <laughs> and I totally expect that answer to come out. Love it. All right, let's move on to our patron shout outs. We couldn't do what we do without the help of our gorgeous patrons. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. Great Saiyaman 81, BNT Zilla Guy, Geek With That, Crunchy Kong, Sheriff Snacks, Frank Grande, JNL Game, Love Retro BTW, Steven Sand, Ramboski, Terry Kinnair, Ducks in Disguise, Jim and Colleen, Games with Coffee, Davey PGH, the Red Ox PDX family, including Shannon and Luke, Zach Huge Thanks, Random Retro Dude, Princess Kitty Mew Mew, Rai Rai's Secret Press Friend, Mega Retro Man, Game Metroid, Emo Esque, Bill Tucker, Rye Bread's number one fan, Fruitcake's number one. Stan, The Wizard of Zardoz, and Clayman71. If you like what you hear today, and we really hope that you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the cost of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing like prizes and giveaways. You also gain access to our patron-only bonus cast called Gamers Week Uncut, Patrons with Benefits. Visit patreon.com slash gamersweek or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's move on to our headlines for the week. And our headline segment is, of course, proudly sponsored by the Retro Game Club podcast. It's a fantastic, family-friendly retro gaming podcast. In each episode, Rob and Hugh pick two games to play and discuss, as well as news, interviews, and other topics. Right now, they're talking about how Steam now supports Switch, NES, SNES, N64, and Sega Genesis controllers, and the Tetris hack called Threetris. Visit them at RetroGameClub.net or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. 
Have uh, Donnie, have you ever tried three tris? I've never even, I can't say that I've heard of it. I looked it up earlier today and it's kind of the same thing as Tetris, but the shapes are a little bit different. They're diagonal. So it's a lot more challenging. Di- uh, I'm sorry, diagonal? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, f*** that. <laughs> Holy crap. That That's no, that's stupid. No, I would never play that ever in, in my that's life. That's stupid. No, no. Yes. You know, this kind of reminds me of Tetris too. Have you ever played Tetris too? I have it. I've never really played yeah, it. Yeah, I have it too, but I didn't pay much attention to it. Yeah, it's it, they had to change up the, sh- the shapes on it to make it more fun, but that, that failed. That did not work out to be <laughs> more fun. <laughs> what is this <laughs> <laughs> That's my response. From GameSpot, Xbox... Oh, God, I had problems with this the last time I had a reason. <laughs> they sure <laughs> love this. It'll start a drinking game of it every time somebody says Xbox boss. Uh, from GameSpot, Xbox boss Phil Spencer <laughs> believes there will be fewer <laughs> exclusives in the future. Right, was that your drinking noise? <laughs> that was my drinking noise. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> from GameSpot, Xbox boss Phil Spencer believes there will be fewer exclusives in the future, and not just for Xbox. Phil Spencer, the head of Microsoft Gaming, has said there will be fewer platform exclusives in the future. Speaking to Bloomberg, Spencer said the idea of games being made for one device and one device only is something we're just going to see less and less of. Maybe you happen in your household to buy an Xbox and I buy a PlayStation, and our kids want to play together, and they can't because we bought the wrong piece of plastic to plug into our television, he said. Making people feel safe, secure when they're playing, allowing them to find their friends, play with their friends, regardless of what device, I think in the long run, that is good for this industry. For its part, Microsoft is still heavily invested in platform exclusives and pushing people to buy into the Xbox ecosystem instead of anywhere else with its various first-party franchises like Halo, Gears of War, Forza, and more. Microsoft now releases many of its games on PC as well, similar to Sony's new strategy to launch games both on PlayStation and PC. Microsoft is in the process of buying Activision Blizzard and all of its studios and franchises, including Call of Duty. The next few Call of Duty games will be released on PlayStation, but it remains to be seen what happens after that. Some of Microsoft's other upcoming games, including Starfield and Redfall, will be released exclusively on console for Xbox. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, when he says there's no longer going to be console exclusives, then what's going to make me pick the Xbox over the PlayStation and vice versa? I think that's the point is that nobody knows what the differentiation is going to be between PlayStation, Xbox, whatever. Uh, And what you're doing is you're commoditizing your product. It's just like when I go to the store and, uh, you know, I get to pick out an Apple and Apple's an Apple and Apple. If I can get the same content, regardless of where I go, there is no real incentive to buy one over the other, unless it's about features. And is there a huge difference in features between the Xbox and the PlayStation five right now? If that's the case, if I'm just, if I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to spend five or $600 or even $700 for something for just features mm-hmm. when I can sit here and play the game on my, uh, my PC and, and, communicate and talk to everybody else while I play it, just as if I'm on the Xbox or the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's Microsoft's long game. Maybe they want to become more of a PC based company. So rather than having to make a console in order for people to play, 
they're more concerned with PCs. Oh, and then just providing people with a dongle, they will give dongle. you access if dongle. you don't have dongle. Uh, if you don't have access to a PC. Microsoft, a PC company. Hmm. Uh, strange, right? <laughs> <laughs> but for them, that, considering how much it costs them to make a console and then manufacture it, ship it, all that stuff, that's huge capital investment to begin with. Correct. If you can reduce your amount of costs, uh, that makes it a lot easier for you. And honestly, in being in second place like they are, that's advantageous to them to commoditize the market. Although I wonder if they're still currently in second place because they were catching up. They were not, they were only like a half a million, I think, below PlayStation 5 last time we checked. And the Xbox Series consoles have been more available lately mm-hmm. than the PS5. So they may have caught up by now. But this sounds like some sort of fluffy BS <laughs> PR talk. Yeah, that indeed. Spencer is is feeding us all. That gamers just want to play games together, and while that's not untrue, there's no advantage really for for Microsoft and Sony to actually concede to that. It makes far more sense from a business perspective for them to continue having exclusives, and the way the two companies have been operating on their various individual buying sprees, it seems like they they know that behind the scenes, and that. Mm-hmm. Phil is just saying what he thinks that we all want to hear. Well, because for gamers, exclusives suck, right? Do they? If you're on a PlayStation and something comes out on the Xbox that is exclusive to the Xbox and you really want to play it, you either have to go over to a friend's house who has an Xbox or you got to wait or you got to buy an Xbox. Yeah, I've been doing that since the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing different now. So, I mean, I, I don't see what the big deal about it why the, why the focus on it now? Well, what I'm saying is that to Blue's point about it being a PR move is he's saying what everybody else is thinking that from a gamer's perspective, exclusives stink. From a company perspective, exclusives are what drive sales. To your point, though, that you were saying about Microsoft being a PC company, last week or the week before, I think we were talking about what will happen to PlayStation and Nintendo when video game consoles, the physical consoles are a thing of the past and everybody's mm-hmm. going to dongles or streaming services or whatever. Dongle. Dongle. So even then, if everybody has their own streaming service, I still don't see why commoditizing your product is a good thing. You still want people to have a reason to sign up for your service. Right. And then it just becomes a price war. Yeah, if- even if the streaming services, in theory, maybe they're affordable, households really can subscribe to everyone's streaming service and just play everything. But if you've commoditized your product, if it's available on every streaming service, then I'll just pick one and the others will miss out on my money. It's almost like Microsoft is like, we want to be the new Steam, more or less. But even Steam makes a lot of rules to make sure people can't other services can't compete with them. It's a good point. Even Steam has its own exclusives. Right. <laughs> well, I think at the end of the day, though, Blue, you're, you're spot on with this. This is Phil Spencer playing the good guy. So when it's your turn to pick one because everything is the same, you're going to go with Phil Spencer's version because he seems like a good guy. And I think he knows what his job is. His job is to make people like him. In this example, he his household is the one theoretically buying the PlayStation. And then there was a couple months ago, he gave an interview and was asked what upcoming game 
this year are you most looking forward to? And he says he's looking forward to God of War, which is a PlayStation exclusive. So he's saying mm-hmm. all the right things as if the very real competition in the market doesn't seem to matter to them. It's beneath them, right. whatever. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure none of that is the case. Maybe it's like a um, reverse psychology. Maybe he's trying to do that to people. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we don't care. <laughs> Secretly like, yeah, come on, buy an Xbox, buy an Xbox, keep us in business. Rabbit season, duck season, duck season, rabbit season. <laughs> M not R2. M not R2. R not M2. <laughs> All right, from gameindustry.biz, Embracer to acquire Lord of the Rings IP, Tripwire, Limited Run, and more. Embracer has announced five acquisitions plus one unannounced acquisition for an aggregated upfront purchase price of 6 billion Swedish krona, which is 576 million US dollars. Uh, among the purchases, Embracer entered an agreement to acquire Middle Earth Enterprises, a division of Salzan's company, which has owned the IP rights to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit for over 50 years. Embracer said that the acquisition may include, may also include matching rights in other Middle Earth related literary works authored by the Tolkien Estate and HarperCollins, which have yet to be explored. Oh my God, I just shuddered. (laughs) (laughs) You take your time. Okay. All right, there we go. Embracer also acquired Collector's Editions publisher, Limited Run, Singtrix, which provides vocal processing effects technology for karaoke gaming and entertainment. Woo. Killing Floor and Maneater developer Tripwire Interactive and its publishing arm Tripwire Presents, as well as Teardown developer Tuxedo Labs, both via its subsidiary Saber Interactive. In May, Embracer acquired Crystal Dynamics, Edios Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal for $300 million. Embracer Group CEO Lars Wingfers commented, Today, Embracer becomes an even bigger group. I'm pleased to welcome an amazing group of entrepreneur-led companies to the Embracer family and to extend our portfolio with some truly remarkable IPs and franchises, including Lord of the Rings. You know, to be honest, it kind of boggles my mind that the Lord of the Rings goes for so cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) I mean, it was such a huge thing when Peter Jackson was doing his trilogy. And I know that the IP suffered some through the Hobbit trilogy. It's It's an important IP across the world and that you can lump it in for $576 million with all these other purchases. That's kind of nuts. And Embracer has been... Buying up everyone like it's supermarket sweep, just like shoving more into the basket lately. Hey, I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason it came to mind is that I turned on the Game Show Network <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff for the turkeys in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> just watching a woman like pick up a 16 pound turkey and just <laughs> chuck it in the basket. <laughs> and Again, it, it's it, we keep talking about this, these acquisitions that keep coming down the pipeline, coming down the pipeline. Uh, gaming is becoming an oligopoly, more or less. And it's almost like the dot-com bubble where you're hoping to get bought out by somebody bigger. Mm-hmm. Right? I, honestly, I, I don't... I, I think we've expressed this before. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing for gaming. Yes, it can provide capital to developers that may be struggling, but... In the end of the day, it also eliminates choice and likely will see uh, an influence from uh, you know the top dogs at said company on IPs that may change things, maybe not in the gamer's best interest. 
that being said, if they can come out with some awesome like stuff from the Silmarillion uh, or <laughs> other things, I will totally concede my point and be just uh, happy as a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you don't like what they've made, and then you'll of be course. furious. Right. The nerd Indeed. rage shall fly. <laughs> I'm I'm more interested in the fact that they acquired limited run. Right. Yeah. That was interesting. What their plans are for that. Because I know there there are people out there who I guess don't agree with uh, some of what limited run has done. Um, they don't like their practices and, and, and whatnot. So maybe if Embracer comes along and, and helps this company, I guess, produce more for the people, then I guess that's a good thing. Um, I've never had a bad experience with limited run. I know some people have, but I, I think they do quality work. They print quality stuff. It does take a long time for when you order something for it to actually get filled and, and get created and get delivered to your door. I think I remember waiting like a, an entire year for at least one of my, my items that I ordered on there. So maybe Embracer purchasing limited run will help push them along a little bit and, and make the, uh, the process more streamlined. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I currently have two limited run uh, receipts from limited run games sitting in my inbox. I'm just keeping an eye on two different orders, <laughs> <laughs> waiting yeah. for them to show up. Lord knows when they will, but hopefully this year sometime. Yeah, I had to wait a year for Dr. Wiley or uh, Mega Man Wiley Wars for the Sega Genesis. That Yeah. It, it was almost a surprise when it showed up in my house because I didn't get an alert that it was coming. And it was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's part of the strategy is they make you wait so long so you forget. And then when it shows up, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the best day. I forgot about yeah, this. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All sins are forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much you could really change their business because if they make more, if it's not limited, then they have to rename themselves. Well, <laughs> it's still limited, but limited to a, a, a larger amount. Marginally exclusive run games. Yeah, less limited run games. (laughs) All right, next up from IGN, a pair of obscure Sega games are being adapted into movies. Sega's Comic Zone and Space Channel 5 are getting their own movies. The pair of obscure Sega titles are being developed into films by Picture Start, the production company behind the upcoming Borderlands movie. While not the kind of games that immediately come to mind for film adaptations, it certainly looks as though Sega is going all in on these obscure titles. Sega Vice President and Co-CEO Shuji Utsumi is overseeing both films, while Toru Nakahara, the producer of the recent Sonic the Hedgehog movies, is joining as executive producer. Comic Zone was a cult classic on the Sega Genesis, a side-scrolling adventure starring comic book artist Sketch Turner, who is pulled into his own unfinished comic book by a villain he created. The upcoming film follows a similar thread. Space Channel 5 was released in 2002 on Dreamcast and followed reporter Ulala, who worked for the titular news channel, as she reports on the events of an alien invasion while also trying to fight off the invaders herself, all through the medium of dance. Comic Zone is being written by May Cat, while Space Channel 5 will be penned by Barry Battles and Nir Paniri. So is Space Channel 5 going to have Channing Tatum and they're going to step up? (laughs) (laughs) Channing Tatum. Did I say that? I said Channing Tatum. You said it correctly and I'm making fun of you for episodes and episodes ago. I still think we should need to put that on a shirt. Tanning Chatham. Tanning Chatham. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Comic? 
Comic Zone, I get more than. Yeah. Than right. <laughs> I mean, why Space not? Space Channel 5. James Pond or, or. Well, you never know. That sounds like they might eventually get there if we're going this deep into the barrel. <laughs> Echo the Dolphin. You know, he's got his own movie. <laughs> I can see that actually be, being a thing. Ah, they made a flipper movie. <laughs> Why not Echo the Dolphin? <laughs> I, I think Comic Zone would be a, a good one because it's an action beat em up, right? Uh, but man, that is one of the hardest games on the second Genesis. I know this will actually be exciting. We'll get to see the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I never did. I rem- I put in cheat codes, it was still hard. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Uh, but it, I would love for it to be like a like an 80s style action movie. I think that that would be super fun. Right. Just completely over the top. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Like get Chris Hemsworth to play the guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's funny too. So, right. And give them like the Thor hair because he already has done that. Right. So, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so if you guys had to choose, which game would you want to be made into a movie? Which Sega game? Obscure Sega, Sega games. Well, it doesn't have to necessarily be obscure. Mm. Like you could say Golden Axe or something like that. Gunstar Heroes. Ooh, okay. Would it be a space sci-fi? Absolutely. All right. I, I just, I really want to see the scene where you're fighting on the wing of a plane. <laughs> huge muscle bound gym teacher guy. <laughs> I think I would probably go with Toe Jam and Earl. That's my favorite Sega game. Ah, nice. You could just dive head first into all the 90s. And it would be an amazing (laughs) nostalgia trip for everybody who was alive during that time. (laughs) Right. Gratuitous use of the word radical. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I I know it's probably going to be cliche, but I wouldn't mind seeing um, either a Night Trap movie. Or <laughs> there kind of was a Night Trap movie, though. Right. Night Trap itself was a movie. Yeah, Seven yes. million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what, for 20 minutes of uh, video? Pretty much. Um, or Skitchen. Okay. Okay. If you remember Skitchen, it was like you were rollerblading, catching onto cars and, and, and going down the road and stuff like that. Maybe that kind of concept being turned into a movie a la Airborne. <laughs> what's that movie you tried to watch us or try to make us watch for patron only movie night that was like lord of the rollerblades angels oh, of the, what it was right right prayer right. of the roller boys there we go it's a sequel <laughs> to prayer of the roller boys as long as at least one person has seth green's haircut from airborne <laughs> I've got it. I've got Seth Green. I know you do. (laughs) I just need to dye it red. (laughs) (laughs) Now you could do that for Halloween. Dye your hair red, do the outfit, and see if a single person knows who you are. (laughs) Okay. I'll do that. All right, before we get to our top three new releases of the week, we have a special guest appearance by Andy, a.k.a. Love Retro BTW, and he is here to tell us about a very special event happening this Friday. Yeah, what's up? And always a pleasure being on the show. I'm sure people are annoyed of my voice at the beginning of the show anyway, but here I am. (laughs) No, but seriously, uh, awesome to be here and really awesome that it's been a year already that it's our second annual Mario Kart charity tournament supporting Sampa Cancer's research. Ryan, uh, Retro Game Brews here, uh, 
and I kind of got together a year ago and said, let's do a, let's do a joint charity stream. And it's kind of turned into this big event with a lot of focus on a lot of the retro gaming community people. But, um, let me, um, give a little, little background on Stamp to Cancer real quick. So people know, you know, tonight we're going to be supporting Stamp to Cancer. And just so people know, I'm actually the gaming community director for Stamp to Cancer. And this month we're doing the up to us, the Stamp to Cancer event, which is a collaboration of content creators on Twitch, on YouTube, on TikTok, all live streaming to benefit us. So just so people know, Stamp to Cancer enables scientific breakthroughs by funding collaborative efforts through scientific research, through teams and investigators. Thanks to the support of our dedicated partners and entertainment community as well, Stamp to Cancer is able to bring widespread attention to cancer research and treatments. It's really getting in front of it, doing clinical trials, trying to get the FDA to approve treatments. And I'm happy to say in our almost 14 years of being here, we've approved nine treatments through clinical trials directly done through funding with Stamp to Cancer. So really exciting stuff. It's very important, as I'm sure you, you folks know how important cancer research is. Of course. For and that's sure. awesome news to hear. But how specifically can gamers help? Ryan, you want to jump on that? Sure. Uh, so what we are doing is a 16-person Mario Kart tournament uh, for, of course, Stand Up to Cancer. And, uh, you know, we did this last year. And I got to be honest, it's probably one of the funnest times that I've had hosting tournaments on Twitch. Because not only is it a fun game to play, but it's also it's for such a great cause. And last year, we got to hear a lot of, you know, really touching stories about how cancer has affected people's lives and, uh, you know, the community coming together, uh, having some fun but uh, also doing it for a great cause. Yes, and this year we have some incentives. Every $100, we will be giving away a Steam code. We actually already... I think up to this point that we're recording this raised about over 200. So immediately we're going to be giving away codes. And then at $1,500, we have a special Stand Up to Cancer Obey Clothing collaboration hoodie that we've been working with them Ooh. this month. So we will be giving that out if we reach our goal and doing a giveaway in chat. So, and then we have a stretch goal, but we'll leave that for the stream if we get there. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> surprise anyone. So really like excited it. to give back a little bit too for all the wonderful donations. Yeah, thank you, Andy, for for continuing to to convince me to put this on. And <laughs> uh, you know, uh, again, so much fun. Cannot wait for 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 today or for tonight since you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, and definitely check it out. And we can't wait to see you there. Yeah, let's make an impact with retro gamers playing Mario Kart. Right? Let's do it. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Let's do it, Doug! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top three new releases. Saints Row, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Welcome to Santo Leso, a vibrant fictional city in the American Southwest. In a world rife with crime, a group of young friends embark on their own criminal adventure as they rise to the top in their bid to become self-made. Experience the biggest and best Saints Row playground ever created. The unique sprawling world of Santo Leso is the backdrop for a wild, larger-than-life sandbox of thrilling side hustles, criminal ventures, and blockbuster missions as you shoot, drive, and wingsuit your way to the top. SD Gundam Battle Alliance, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. SD Gundam Battle Alliance is a multiplayer Gundam action RPG where you can smash foes solo or with friends in thrilling mechanized combat. Acquire new mobile suits, power them up, 
and take them into battle in various missions. Soul Hackers 2, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Explore a supernatural RPG with stylish summoners and dark dangers lurking under the neon lights of a cyberpunk Japan. It is up to Ringo, an agent of Aeon. Aeon? Aeon? Good enough. Aeon? (laughs) To save the world from the apocalypse. Based on what we've heard from the description, Blue, which one are you looking at this week? I am probably going for Soul Hackers 2. I find that anime-heavy RPGs are usually a good time. I haven't played Soul Hackers 1. Don't know if that matters, but not really into Gundam. Uh, Saints Row is meant to be a reboot of the series and mm-hmm. kind of take it back to its roots. But the early reviews, at least as far as I've been seeing, make it look like it's a complete dumpster fire. <laughs> so I'm going to steer away from that, at least until <laughs> I hear something better come out. But yeah, I'm in for Soul Hackers. Ryan, what about you? Uh, I am also in for Soul Hackers too. I Really? I will say I would have been big into Gundam Battle Alliance. However, I saw the gameplay for this. And uh, it looked like a PS1 game. Ooh. Like there was no texture to, to the Gundams. They looked super polygonal. Uh, so unless that changed, uh, I'm not into it uh, because that would just take away the allure of a Gundam game uh, because I'm playing it on a freaking PS5, you know, <laughs> PC or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just, it just wouldn't do it for me. Uh, Saints Row, uh, I have also heard the, the dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> claims so i will pass up on that one but uh man cyberpunk japan sounds awesome to me so i know yeah. right and you had me at cyberpunk japan cyberpunk is one of my favorite <laughs> uh genres if you will or uh, what's the what's the correct term is that is that the term genre yeah yeah okay saints row i've never really been a fan of it um I, to me it feels it's it's a ripoff of grand theft auto I think SD Gundam Battle Alliance might have fixed their PS1 um, issues. So I think it looks better. Um, I might give that a shot. But Soul Hackers, because of the cyberpunk uh, theme, I think I'm going with that one. All right. So as you are probably all aware, uh, we are giving away this week a copy of Capcom Fighting Collection for the Nintendo Switch, and I am happy to announce our winner for our giveaway. So, drum roll, please. <laughs> and the winner is Sanity Crypto. Sanity, congratulations, my friend. Hey, congratulations, Sanity. As you probably know, this month's game is being provided by our sponsor, JNL Games. So visit JNLGames.com, where all pre-sales are always discounted at $10 off $60 titles and $5 off anything below $40. All right, let's move on to our main topic for the evening. From IGN, everything announced at Gamescom Opening Night Live. Gamescom 2022 is upon us, and Jeff Keighley's opening night live kicked things off with a ton of new announcements for games, including Dune Awakening, Lies of P, Sonic Frontiers, and more. However, there are far too many announcements in the two-hour showcase for us to cover here tonight, so we're going to go over the highlights. First one, everywhere announced from ex-Rockstar developer. Developer built a Rocket Boy Games... (laughs) 
which includes former lead developer of the GTA series at Rockstar Games, Leslie Benzie, has revealed a first look at its brand new IP everywhere. The open world game aims to blend a thrilling gameplay, creative adventure, and discovery in a multi-world gaming experience. Funcom has officially announced Dune Awakening, its open-world survival MMO set in the Dune universe. If that sounds good, the developer also revealed that beta registration is now open for a chance to play the game early. Coming for PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X and S, the game is set on Arrakis and takes inspiration from both Frank Herbert's novels and Denis Villeneuve's Academy Award-winning film while exploring exciting new possibilities in the franchise. Sony has unveiled what appears to be its elite controller competitor in the form of the DualSense Edge, an all-new high-performance ultra-customizable controller for PlayStation. A new PS blog entry has detailed the highly customizable controller, which allows you to set bespoke control mappings and even deactivate specific buttons. Previously titled Lords of the Fallen 2, what's now just called The Lords of the Fallen, received a new trailer during opening night live. Developer Hexworks Studio is still targeting a 2023 release date for the Souls-like, and the trailer shows even more of the gritty and dark fantasy that fans of the genre are sure to love. New Tales from the Borderlands officially revealed. Despite being announced back in April, leaked last week, and confirmed by Gamescom's opening night live host Jeff Keighley, ahead of the show, the new Tales from the Borderlands game has finally received its official reveal trailer. The trailer showed plenty of the classic comedy that fans of the original Telltale series were fans of, and the new game can be played on October 21st. Sonic Frontiers officially confirmed for November. Despite the release date and trailer leaking from Sega earlier today, opening night live has now officially confirmed that Sonic Frontiers will be released on November 8th. A new trailer was also released that focuses on the game's story. We see a few mysterious new characters, including a small, cute creature at the opening, more robotic villains, and a mysterious, glitchy young foe associated with them. Most notably, we get a glimpse of Sonic's friend Amy trapped in some sort of device that appears to relate to the game's villains, but it's unclear if Sonic is able to get her out immediately or if her capture is relevant to the plot long term. Subnautica developer Unknown Worlds has announced a digital tabletop strategy game written by Brandon Sanderson called Moonbreaker. Players can enjoy the Warhammer 4000-style gameplay with a StarCraft-style look when its early access arrives on PC and Mac this fall. Lies of P, which... (laughs) That's such a funny name. I'm sorry, I'm so childish. <laughs> Lies of P is a new Souls-like set in a dark bell epoch world. <laughs> a super dark trailer was released for Lies of P, an upcoming Souls-like game based on the story of Pinocchio. The player will must guide him on his journey to become a real, I'm a real boy. And <laughs> <laughs> short gameplay reveal definitely gave off, dare we say, Bloodborne vibes. Lies of P was announced in May from developer Round 8 Studio and publisher NeoWiz. Apart from its Souls-like combat, it also has a lie system where the character's choices to lie or not in different situations can impact the gameplay. It's planned for release on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and S, and PC. Sand is your weapon in Atlas Fallen. Focus Home Interactive 
has announced Atlas Fall, a new game from Deck 13, where players' primary weapon is sand. A trailer showed two warriors fighting monster hunter-style beasties using shape-shifting weapons made of sand and sand-based abilities. It's coarse and rough and irritating and gets everywhere. Oh my god, I can't believe they put <laughs> I think the author was probably proud of that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> High on Life trailer reveals incredibly insulting weapons. A new trailer for High on Life, the game from Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland, revealed two of the game's incredibly insulting weapons. Showing gameplay from a boss fight, the foul-mouthed weapon's verbal attacks may be more damaging than the physical ones. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is becoming the latest 80s horror franchise to become a video game. This 3 vs. 7 title will arrive for PC via Steam, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X and S in early 2023. Scars Above, a dark sci-fi action game, got a new story and gameplay trailer at Gamescom opening night live, showing off its cinematic storyline in alien combat. We got a look at the story behind the game, which sees an alien structure appear above Earth and human explorers coping with the nightmares they find when they explore its seeming home. Everstone Games has announced Where Winds Meet, an open-world RPG set in the Ten Kingdoms era of medieval China. A reveal trailer showed the game's stunning environments alongside various gameplay elements, including hunting, combat, horseback riding, and crocheting, (laughs) and more. The game promises a ton of player choice with the ability to join and influence different kingdoms, or literally go in a different direction by becoming a wanderer, a doctor, a merchant, and more. Metal Gear Solid and Death Stranding creator Hideo Kojima is starting a podcast called Brain Structure. The podcast will be available in English and Japanese, with episode one being released on September 8th. But remember, listen to the Gamers Week podcast first. Right. Priorities. (laughs) (laughs) Screw you, Hideo. (laughs) Unless he wants to sponsor our podcast. I'm sure he does. Don't screw you, Hideo. (laughs) (laughs) I I was just teasing. I, I didn't mean any of that. The Pokemon Company has collaborated with car manufacturer Mini to bring to life an official Pikachu-themed Mini Ace Man. The car is designed to be as playful as the game is, and like Pikachu, is fully electric. Oh my goodness. (laughs) He wouldn't. wouldn't. It had to be. (laughs) (laughs) The Outlast Trial gets creepy new trailer. Outlast prequel The Outlast Trials has received a new trailer and gameplay at Opening Night Live, sharing for the first time a proper look at the wonderfully creepy setting and story. A closed beta is also on the way, just in time for Halloween, as players can sample the game early from October 28th to November 1st. And lastly... Dead Island 2 is real and just a few months away. Dead Island 2 was revealed once more at Opening Night Live and brought not only a new trailer, but new gameplay and a release date of February 3rd. We even had a shot of the game just to make sure it was real. The long-awaited sequel features six playable characters in what was described as a pulpy and irreverent tone and a ton of ways to kill zombies. All right, so this was a lot that happened on Gamescom opening night live. Felt like the list went on forever, but it's definitely not everything that was covered. But of all of this, what are some of the things that caught your eye? Um, (laughs) There's there's a few. Um, The Outlast Trials looks really good. Right? I think anything that's set in like a creepy asylum, that's going to be a good time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly what to expect. I, I guess a, th- a first person sort of thing like Bioshock, where you're it, it is, I guess technically a first person shooter, but you're you're going around solving puzzles, uh, working around the environment and stuff like that. That looks creepy. Mm-hmm. That looks enough to probably make me shudder with fear a little bit, just just a tad, <laughs> un poquito. So I'm looking forward to the Outlast Trials. I saw the trailer for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, you know, it's it's a campy, cheesy 80s movie, 80s horror movie. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see what they do with it because it looks like it's a multiplayer survival game, kind of like the Friday the 13th. Yeah, except three versus seven. Right. And I guess that's three clowns versus seven car- seven other people, survivors. Yep. So I'm waiting to get my hands on it. The last one that I saw was High on Life. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure whoever created High on Life was taking DMT at the time. <laughs> that looks just insane. Yeah, I was watching this part of the opening night live and I was like, what the hell am I looking at? (laughs) And then I'm reading this later on, the game from Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland. I was like, oh, (laughs) there it is. That makes more sense. Yeah. Because your weapon actually has a face. And it's talking to you. <laughs> so when you're shooting the weapon, it's it's saying stuff and filthy and, stuff. <laughs> right. Such a weird disconnect because it looks kind of earthworm Jimmy, the yeah. the art style, like you're fighting bugs, and then you've got these weapons with these cute little cartoon faces, but then they're saying F this and F that, and I wanna <laughs> blankety blankety blank that, and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah, that will uh I don't know what that game is about, but that'll be interesting to see more of it. I think anything from Justin Roiland is bound to be hilarious, but weird AF. <laughs> yeah, that tracks completely. And I'm all for weird AF. Mm-hmm. So what caught your eye, Ryan? Uh, so let's see here. So Killer Clowns, uh, that looked hilarious to me, just based off of the trailer. I love those kinds of games, like Dead by Daylight and Friday the 13th. Uh, and the fact that this one seems like it's there's a humor element to it as well, mm-hmm. I think adds to, to the allure for me for that. And I think that could be like a fun group game to get together with friends and play. So we'll see, because uh, like Donnie kind of pointed out, we didn't really find out much about the gameplay. But my interest has definitely peaked, that's for sure. And now I need to watch the movie. Have you never seen the movie? <laughs> I've never oh seen Oh my Killer gosh. Clowns. Never See, seen what it. I was going to say is I wish that this game would take itself completely seriously. Exactly like <laughs> the movie does. The movie takes itself so seriously. And I hope that the game does the same thing so you get the same tone. Love it. Also got a chance uh, to have my interest peaked as well from Moonbreaker. I I like games like that that are strategy based in the, the simple sense that you're not just like running in and gunning. You have to be strategic about where you place your your players or your warriors and what have you. And then uh, each turn is going to to really dictate what the next turn is going to look like. So, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of chess in that sense too. But I love the fact that the game itself uh, very much looks like a digital board game. You know, where the characters are on those little platforms. And it what's cool about it is that it's customizable. It reminds me of, you know, being a kid and uh, going over to my cousin's house who had a collection of all of those like D and D action figures or the little pieces and what have you. And he'd spend Miniature. hours like 
Yeah, miniatures, right? And it's it painting like the pants on a guy, you know? <laughs> 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 Which it looks like you could do that up to, to, to not to the point where you're just filling something in, but it looks like the, you can actually paint, you know, with like a paintbrush. Right. It's not cool. just like a click and a, a color by numbers kind of thing. It looked like right, they, right. they made a lot of effort to make it more involved than that. Which, you know, why would you spend the time to put that in a game? Uh, because that's probably pretty niche, but for anybody who would like that thing or like that aspect of it, it's huge. So I'm, I'm in that camp. I would, I will definitely be painting my figures. <laughs> <laughs> now, and I'm not a real-time strategy guy uh, by any means, but mm-hmm. this actually, it looks kind of fun. Um, yeah. I, I could totally get on board with something that looks like it's, you're actually playing a, a live board game version of it inside a video game. So I might switch over to the dark side to play an RTS. There it is. <laughs> it just reminded me of like the board game Heroes Quest. And as a kid, I always wanted yes. the, the figures to do something, right? Well, now I can kind of play Heroes Quest where the figures <laughs> actually do something. So when they attack something else, it's not just my imagination, which I think is right. pretty cool. It's not for me, but there's a couple things about Moonbreaker that I think are interesting. It's a looks like a love letter to tabletop gaming, which I think is cool Absolutely. for people who love that kind of stuff. And they've clearly put a lot of love into it. But I also like that the world is created by Brandon Sanderson. Right. And I hope we see more of this because George R.R. R. Martins was involved in the lore of Elden Ring. And then you've got Brandon Sanderson. And I really like this. I really like this idea of sci-fi and fantasy authors kind of crossing over and becoming more involved in other types of storytelling like video games. There's so much potential there and I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see where that goes. Definitely. So we need to have a seance and talk to Tolkien and ask him what he would do for Probably game. Tolkien would be like, what the F is a video game? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you bother me for this? <laughs> uh, and like the third one I, I, I would like to talk about is Liza P. I think that was not what I expected when you think of a game that has to do with Pinocchio. You mean a, a Souls-like based on Pinocchio? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like not really looking at the TV at that point. I was looking at my phone and then that's what they said. Souls-like based on the story of Pinocchio. And I was like, huh? I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I love the the dark atmosphere that's in it. I love the like steampunk. Everything looks super steampunk, which is, I think, a really cool aesthetic for it, especially considering everything is like mechanical and stuff. And any game that has a lot of rain in it, sign me up. I, I don't know what it is about rain, but it's like, put me in that. That's a weird kink, but okay. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At Mrs. RGB, like, I just found some rain tunes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm in the mood now. Right. <laughs> so, Blue, uh, what looks interesting to you? So, definitely Lies of P. I knew. I remember hearing a while back that they were making a Pinocchio game, and I had pictured some sort of you know cartoony kid thing. And then I saw this today, and I was like, "Oh God, that speaks to the little goth kid living deep inside me very much. <laughs> he wants to play this game, so I'm all over that. And it looks like a brand new IP, something we've never seen before. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm in for that hundred percent. And at the end of the trailer, when they had that coffin that says lies, and they're like, "Good in." It's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that very much caught my eye is Where the Winds Meet, the open world RPG set in medieval China. It looks exactly like if Ghost of Tsushima and anime had a baby. <laughs> it looks 
so fun. It looks like such a huge world where you can do anything. And this this copy here kind of says that ton of player choice. You can join different kingdoms or you can do your own thing, become a wanderer, a doctor, a merchant, whatever. I'm very excited for that since I really loved Ghost of Tsushima. I got the platinum for that. This I can't wait to play. Oh, I watched the whole trailer though, and I didn't see any crochet. <laughs> what? It's the thing that you could crochet. I'm counting on it. Um, yeah, when they started talking about the Pokemon Mini, I was like, nope. Because <laughs> I didn't watch this live. I watched it later. And they're like, oh, we've got a new concept card. I was like, eh, fast forward. Don't need to watch that. I better fast forward. I mean, but I, I could see that totally happening down the road. Like, they're, they're, the Mini's coming out with the little Pokemon thing. They've done specialized vehicles like for the modern warfare. I remember they had a like a, a rugged Jeep that was all decked out whenever Modern Warfare 2 came out or Modern Warfare 3. I, I could totally see them doing a line of, of vehicles for video game. Yeah, but they're they're only ever concept cars. It's not something that the an average person can go and buy. So it seems a little weird to be putting it in front of, of people as if it's something we could actually have. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm going to record myself going into a mini dealership and asking for one. Please and see do. what their response oh, is. That would be TikTok gold. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't have it? <laughs> yes, I realize I'm a six foot three man in his 30s. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see you driving around in a Pikachu themed mini. That would be awesome. Like you barely fit. You have to hunch over. That would be amazing. <laughs> totally worth it. Worth every penny. <laughs> All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. This segment is proudly sponsored by the Leadus Podcast. It's a show where three friends and occasional guests play games about video games, including trivia, game show games, and more. Here is this week's trivia question. In honor of the Stand Up to Cancer Mario Kart 8 tournament happening on Friday or today, as this episode is released and you're listening, hopefully... Mm-hmm. Sprunk, Nuka-Cola, Game Toy, Stinkin' Donuts, Coyota. Parody brands abound in video games. The original Japanese version of Mario Kart 64 had some bad ones, too, that never made it to the U.S. release, including Yoshi 1 after Mobile 1, Koopa Air with the same font and color as Goodyear, and an advertisement for what brand that was definitely not appropriate for kids. Tune into the Leadist podcast this Wednesday to hear the answer. You can find the Leadist on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll also have their links in the show notes. I know this answer. Oh, I guessed, and I got it right the first time, and oh, so I'm going to really? pat myself on the back. <laughs> That's a very good guess, Donnie. What do you I, think? No freaking clue. There are a <laughs> litany of brands out there that I could try to make inappropriate for kids, but. <laughs> we'd, we'd be here for years <laughs> there's a lot of jokes there <laughs> yeah. the brand in question is redacted oh okay <laughs> yeah definitely yeah, okay yeah it doesn't really roll off the tongue definitely does not
All right, thank you for coming, students. Please take your seats and welcome back to Professor Rybred's Gaming History 101. And in today's lesson, we're going to talk about a, how a handful of consoles in the 1980s that, rather than using cartridges with circuit board, used a much more familiar media used by cinephiles in their own homes. We're, of course, talking about VHS gaming. So before I jump into this, have you guys ever played a VHS, VHS-based console before? No. Not a console, but my parents did have the Clue VHS game. And there was a lot of that, too, where uh, they had like DVD games or board games with VHS tapes in them. But these were actually video or attempts at making video games utilizing the VHS as the content for the game, more or less. Hmm. So. Okay. It's a little gimmicky, and we'll kind of get into this. So if you think about it, in the mid-90s, game developers were looking for a way to improve the visuals of video games beyond what cartridge-based gamings could achieve. And this issue stems from the size and the cost of storage media at the time. So if you look at arcades, they were much more graphically sophisticated because they were in a large container or cabinet and had room to store a lot of game information in that one cabinet. But therein lies the problem for console gamers. In order to achieve that experience, you'd have to purchase the large boards that were expensive to create and even more expensive to buy. Not to mention uh, the games would probably take up a considerable amount of room in your house. So (laughs) how do you solve for this? Well, at the time, VHS tapes were an extremely popular way for people to own movies and watch them at home. I would imagine in the 80s, you guys had VCR in your house? Mm Mm-hmm. We did. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that time, too, VCRs were uh, affordable, right? So if you're talking about late 70s, early 80s, that's when it was expensive. And as the mid-90s came in, it became something that was prevalent in many homes uh, across the world. And and people were familiar with how to use a VHS tape. So knowing that there was a technology that was already in people's homes that could store more than a gigabyte of data piqued a few engineers into look at the VHS as a potential future media for gaming. It was likely influenced as well by uh, arcade games uh, like Dragon's Lair. They use Laserdisc technology, uh, which was widely popular. That game is uh, part of gaming lore. So if we begin with the first VHS console to come out, uh, it was from a company called Connor, and it was their video smart system, which came out in 1986. And uh, the device was made as an educational system for young children. Of course, it's going to start off for kids stuff, right? (laughs) Right. So it came with a VHS tape and a control pad with four large buttons on it. Now, have you ever watched an episode of Dora the Explorer? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say no, but yes. There it is. There it is. So Blue's Clues, does that, that more ring your bell, Blue? Uh, no, I, I don't Your have kids. Your name is Blue. I know, that doesn't mean I'm watching PBS on weekday mornings. But you're un- you're familiar with the concept of kids' like shows where they ask a question and wait for the kid to repeat back? Sure. Right, where they're like, so which pouch is it in? And you're like, the left one! <laughs> and as an adult, if you get to watch it with your kids, you get to, to yell it out first, and they look at you like, oh. <laughs> You're like, how do you know that? Yeah, I'm so smart, man. <laughs> like, pay attention. Well, similar concept, right? Basically, with the four large buttons on it, you could interact. So it would ask a question that had four different responses, and you would 
hit the gamepad to respond to that. Now, the interesting part about VHS gaming to begin with is that it's on your VCR. So the VCR doesn't have the ability to like stop, roll back, or, or do anything. It can only essentially play the movie that you're watching. Well, it's the same kind of concept with VHS gaming for the most part is that it's a continuous feed and you're interacting with a device. So that device in this particular instance, it would tell the device through audio tones what the correct answer was. So it would ask a question, it would play a tone, and then you would choose on the gamepad, which is the correct answer. You press the button. If you got it right, it would prompt you to say, congratulations, you got it right. If you got it wrong, it would go, eh, you know. That's how they kind of got around the idea that you couldn't really interact with the VHS itself. Now, the next one to come out for a VHS console was something called the Action Max, which was created by a company called Worlds of Wonder. Now, Worlds of Wonder was headed up by former Atari sales VP or president of sales, Don Kingsborough, and was the same company that released the charming yet creepy Teddy Ruxpin. Ruxpin. I know <laughs> Worlds of Wonder. No. Now, Teddy kind of used similar technology, uh, but it used audio cassettes. And in the same way as the video smart system, it would play two audio tracks at once and one for the story and one to tell Teddy how to move his mouth. So essentially, the, the thing was playing an audio track for you to listen to. And then in a higher pitch, it was playing something to prompt the toy to do stuff. Now... They actually also made <laughs> uh, laser tag games as well. So after they don't want Teddy Ruxpin, they started making laser tag games. They're like, you know what? We got to merge these cool things together. We got this technology with, with tapes and with laser tag. Why not make the Action Max? So it was a light gun console that used a sensor that you would suction cup to the right hand side of your CRT screen, right? Okay. <laughs> to help register it. It's, it looks like a, uh, a siren, right? Like a flasher from a police siren. And it sticks in the bottom right hand corner. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that would connect to a console. Basically, the, the VHS would go out to the, the, the actual console itself. Uh, the sensor would be on another kind of wire off from the console and you would stick it to your TV. And then you would take the uh, cable jack from the console and plug that into your TV. So it was essentially kind of a conduit, if you think about it that way. Now, the way it played is that because, again, it's a VHS tape, so there's no way to really interact with what's happening on the TV. There was no score that you would see on the TV. It would actually register a score on your console. So it had a little light up, uh, you know, uh, LCD with uh, numbers on it. So if you scored a hit, it would increase your points. Now, the way it determined how you were scoring a hit is that the baddies on the screen would come up with a, like a circle that had a flashing light to it. And the idea was that you took the gun, aimed it at the TV and pulled the trigger. When you did that, what it would happen is the sensor that's on your TV was actually covering up the same flashing light. So what it would do is try to determine, are you aimed at the device? So when you would click that button, it would capture what the frequency was of the pulses. And then it would look at the sensor and see, do those two things match up? And if they did, you got a hit. If they were off, then chances are you had friendly fire and were shooting at one of your own guys. So it's, a, it's really hard to conceptually think of, but the idea was that it was trying to essentially get around uh, 
the idea of having something interactive by utilizing two sensors, one in the gun and one on that thing that suction cup to your TV. Kind of ingenious at the time, actually. Yeah, if you think about it. Now let's next talk about probably the weirdest one of these. It gets weirder? It gets way weirder. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the Sega Video Driver. It's a system that was released by Tyco in the US, published by uh, Sega. And the game came with a steering wheel, as well as a platform that would attach to your CRT TV. And it came with like suction cups to put on the top of your TV, these little bars that would hang down. Suction cups again. (laughs) Yep. And then it was this little platform. And on top of that platform was a uh, like a little uh, thing that you would mount a toy car on, like a small toy car. And as you were racing, the bottom of the screen actually displayed this bar. So again, can't stop it, right? Everything's going to happen the same way, regardless of how you play the game. But in that bar, there was a black section and a white section, and they would kind of oscillate back and forth. And the idea was that you would steer the car to make sure that it stayed in the black section. If it got caught in the white section, you would lose points. If it was in the black section, you would gain points. And (laughs) it is the jankiest thing I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) Because it's not intuitive. It's not like it's got power steering for you, right? So you're like spinning this wheel to get this little car to move across left and right. And again, you're so focused on the car that you have no idea what you're looking in front of you. And it's just stock footage of you racing behind other cars. And again, the gameplay is always the same because that's you're looking at a VHS tape, more or less. So super gimmicky, but <laughs> if you had a VCR and you wanted to race, there you go. Now, we're going to talk about an unreleased console that I know for a fact Donnie has played. Okay. Say what again? You'll, you'll understand when I'm finished, I promise. Okay, okay. Yep. It was called the Hasbro Control Vision. It was developed with help by Nolan Bushnell's company, Axlon, and uh-huh. other developers, which includes greats like Steve Wozniak and David Crane. Unlike previous consoles that used on-screen visuals and audio tones to register points, the system would be an intermediary for the player. The VHS contained four different tracks and depending on the inputs from the player the system would display one of the four tracks but limited it to 240i at 15 frames per second now this technology was codenamed nemo and eventually stood for nintendo ends (laughs) mid-october that's bold yeah Now, two very recognized games that were filmed for the system, uh, costing them several millions of dollars, included Night Trap Mm -hmm. and Sewer Shark, which were, of course, were eventually ported to the Sega CD. And sadly, with the rising cost of VR RAM chips, it would eventually, it would have to have sold at an extremely high price. So the console was actually abandoned. But if you think about it, I, I make a choice and it displays what's up there. So if it, perfect for Night Trap, right? Right. It, depending on like which room you wanted to go in, it was playing four potential rooms that you could be in on the video or in the VHS tape. And depending on what you chose is what it showed. That's pretty advanced, actually. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was really, really cool. Now, the unfortunate part is that justice companies were trying to are figuring out how to get the most out of VHS CD-based technology, hit the marketplace, and essentially made it Instantly obsolete, um, and also likely why Night Trap and Sewer Shark were ported to the Sega CD. <laughs> Sad for VHS, but I think it needed to happen. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> 
So to kind of wrap things up here, uh, VHS started off uh, with a lot of promises due to the limits uh, of the interface. Uh, they you know, were mostly essentially novelty toys, though, rather than true video game systems. However, the graphics of VHS influenced uh, a lot of the full motion video games that followed it. So it was a necessary gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for attending today's lesson. Uh, just a reminder, if you have any ideas you, for a story that you'd like to hear, send us a message at gamersweekpodcast at gmail.com and we might feature your suggestion. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to episode 36 of Gamers Week Podcast and a big thank you to the Retro Game Club Podcast, The Leadest Podcast, and Love Retro BTW for sponsoring this episode, as well as JNL Game for sponsoring our giveaway. Don't forget to check out their links in the show notes. If you want to connect with Gamers Week, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC, email us at GamersWeekPodcast at gmail.com, visit our merch store at Gamers-Week-Podcast.Creator-Spring.com, or if you want to do it the easy way, follow the link in the show notes. Join us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash GamersWeek. And finally, since you made it all the way to the end of this episode, please leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we did. We really do value your feedback. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Dongle. Dongle. All the dongles. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut, patrons with benefits. This is the unscripted patron-only bonus cast with less editing and more dirty jokes. We don't know where the conversation will go, but we're sure it will be weird. This fish just went right on my nipple. And I'm just like, I Google Street Fighter 6. The first search result that comes up is people think they can see Ryu's dick in the Street Fighter 6 reveal. <laughs> Listen up here, kids. You're not going to want to get one of those VDSTDs things, right? Make your dick fall off. When you go, grab a pro. You'll be doing it for America. That was perfect. <laughs> If you want to hear weekly episodes of our patron-only bonus cast, join us at patreon.com slash gamersweek. 